0: Hi, everybody. I'm Sharon Fuehler and I'm with ABC to CEO. And we have a very special guest with us today. I've been working a long time to try to get this lady. She is extremely busy, but today is our lucky day. So with us is Jenny Johnson. She's president and CEO of Franklin Resources and serves as a member of the board of companies board. And this year, what I found really impressive is uh, Jenny was named to Barron's inaugural list of the 100 most influential women in U.S. finance. Congratulations on that. Quite an accomplishment, quite well-deserved. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, so what we want to do today is just get a little bit of words of wisdom from you um, that we can share with uh, young women, that being um, young career women, and also high school age women and and parents of, of younger girls and and give some advice on that. So, so why don't we go through a, a few thoughts here? And I, I just like to hear kind of what your thoughts are. So one of the things we hear quite often from young career women is when we direct them to our site, they're like, CEO, I can't even think about being a CEO. I'm just young in my career. So I'm curious for you, was becoming a CEO kind of a a goal for your career or did it evolve over time? Um, And maybe you can tell us a little bit about the path you took to get there.
1: So it absolutely evolved over time. It was, I never aspired to say, oh, I want to be a CEO. I, you know, I was more in whatever position I was in, I honestly would sort of think to myself, okay, how do I do this well? And then- what is the next step There is, You know, it, you do have to be your own advocate for your career. I mean, managers are always told they need to develop their teams, but you also have to be your own advocate. And women are probably not as good at man, as men at, at doing that. Um, but I would always have in mind sort of what would be the next thing. But I'm not going to get to the next place unless I do a good job where I am.
0: Well, that, that's that's true, I guess, for every role that people are in. But so, so thinking about for you, when you were in your 20s, you weren't thinking about being a CEO at that point yet. And uh, but tell us a little bit about the path you did take. So when you got out of school and
1: kind of some of the roles
0: that you think sure. were important to leading up to where
1: you are today. So, I, I, I knew I wanted to be in the financial services business, and my father gave me some advice that was, hey, if you're going to be in financial services, you probably should work out of New York. So, I did. I, I took kind of a management uh, trainee-type program in New York, uh, but honestly, I had fallen in love, and so uh, after a year, I became engaged and, and needed to move back to California, where my fiancé was, uh, and so, you know, started you know, working in the business. and. Um, again, kind of that mantra of just keeping my eye open for opportunities. And so when a job opened up, I actually took over a role running a credit card department. And I have to tell you, uh, it's one of those things where you don't fully appreciate what you learn and and, and those skills that come from there and, and that you're collecting along the way uh, that can be hugely valuable down the road. So in the case of credit cards, now everything's about data. Well, credit card companies, Back in the, you know, early 1990s, they were really the only industry that really understood the power of data and its predictive value in human behavior. Uh, and that has served me incredibly well now in, in understanding how to use it. And so I did that for a while. I did various banking things. I, um, I then took over or we launched a auto loan uh, business and a finance company. So I did that for a while. Um, But I wanted that was not core to the business at Franklin Templeton. And I wanted to move back into a more core role. Um, And at the time, kind of the Internet was becoming the next big thing. uh, And I took over a group called the e-business group. Uh, Hard to believe now, but at that time, people viewed their website more like a billboard versus a communication channel. So nobody quite knew what to do with it. It sort of sat outside, but it was sort of where things were going. So I took over that and then eventually um, was given great advice uh, by a mentor, which was um, uh, a a gentleman by the name of Lenny Mendoza, who was with McKinsey. And he said, anybody who's going to be a senior executive in a firm better understand technology. Uh, So I took over the role, even though I didn't have a big background in technology, I took over the role of uh, chief information officer. Uh, Again, another thing that I look at was a pivotal point in my career, because it is really nice to be a CEO today that understands technology. And I basically rolled up my sleeves and wasn't afraid to ask the stupid questions. You have to do that. And and sometimes people are surprised when the, the boss doesn't know when you're asking the stupid questions. And you have to be fearless and not embarrassed by doing that. Uh, and, and I was, and, and I learned a lot. Uh, and then I kind of moved on to various roles. I became chief operating officer. And then Co-president and 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 then president and then and then finally CEO.
0: Yes, very very impressive path you took. But your story reminds me of a, a friend of mine who uh, he was an engineer and young in his career, probably. And I don't know exactly. Let's just say he was in his late twenties and he was asked to take a role in PR and government relations. He is like, why would I do this? I'm an engineer. Well, his mentor said just do it, put your time in. Well, he later became the head of a mining company. And that (laughs) PR in government relations, he said was one of the best things, but he didn't know it
1: at the time. So- Yeah, I believe that. And and let's face it, as a CEO, you have to have a really broad understanding of a lot of different things. And so every part of that, um, you know, adds something to what you do. In the case of the engineer, he's probably an introvert he was put in an extrovert role but that's what right. a great way to take and again that's that fearless risk you know being able to take some risks and being not afraid to fail right. uh, and one of the things i learned along the way uh is that probably the, the the time in my career that i learned the most was when i was running our auto business and we ran into trouble and made some mistakes and failed and dug my way back out and dug us back out of it but it to this day would be the time that I said I learned the most in my career. And I think that the key is, is that you're going to fail. Don't be afraid of failure. It's only failure if you fail to learn something from it. And I learned uh, tons that became valuable later on.
0: What a great, what a great way to think about that. That's a wonderful way. And, you know, you mentioned something else I'd like to touch upon. You said you wanted to move back into more of a core business. I think one of the things that I find with women particularly, is they get put into some staff roles, administrative roles, and they can be successful. I was, I am a victim of this. And successful, kept moving up, but never went into the right roles to get you to the path of CEO.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's definitely an issue. And that's where I think a great mentor is so valuable. Uh, and, and, you know, I also, women are, known for building deep relationships, but not building wide relationships. Uh, and, and I'm definitely one of those people, but I have been working on widening my uh, net of relationships. But a good mentor will help guide you through, um, uh, you know, kind of what that path should be. And honestly, I'm gonna share just the experience I had today. I, I got together with a group of women uh, from my industry that we've all become friends and supportive of each other. And we were giving an update on, uh, and uh, one of them said, I want to talk to you about two things you said. And she challenged me on some decisions I was making uh, in, in, you know, she's my friend. So it was nice, but it's so valuable to have somebody uh, because I needed to go through and sort of talk through the process of why I was making those decisions. You know, one of the things when you become CEO, it can be a lonely place. Uh, yes. So you have to have built those relationships of trust in people uh, to be able to to talk to and talk through things.
0: And and you have to develop the kind of relationship where they are willing and don't feel threatened themselves in challenging you.
1: For sure, that, that which is a great point, right? It's it's how you respond uh, to when somebody comes at you, and and if you're if you get defensive or. Um, you know, you don't take it well, then they're not going to come back to you next time and you're really going to miss an opportunity.
0: Yeah, great advice. So let's talk a little bit about, we have a lot of listeners that might be parents, but we also have some high school and college uh, women. Do you think there are certain experiences in high school and college that that can help somebody become more successful um, in their role when they do start a career?
1: Sure. I mean, for me, sports was a big part of my high school experience. And, you know, I think uh, I think playing on sports is 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 great training for anything. Right. It's you have to learn to be a team player. Uh, You learn to be competitive. You learn to be strategic as you're trying to think about how to go. But but to me, it could be any passion. Right. You know, being uh, if you're if you're passionate about performing. Right. It's building those networks of people being willing to risk yourself by trying to go after the really tough role. Um, and, and so I think it's, it's that taking a chance and taking risk that maybe people will laugh at you. Maybe you won't be successful. That's the only time that you're going to push yourself to really get to that next level. Uh, in college, I, I ran for a student body president and I lost, uh, I was president of my sorority. That was a great experience, but I have to tell you probably going through the experience of losing the, you know, in a runoff in student body president was also a great experience for me. Um, hard at the time, but I learned a heck of a lot about it.
0: It's all about what you do with the experience and how can it help you to actually make it to another level. For so sure. I know at, at uh, you know at Franklin Templeton and financial services in general, um, we've seen more women coming into that role. But but how would you, as a CEO, how are you creating opportunities for women to keep advancing? We did. A uh, ABC to CEO did a women in finance panel a couple weeks ago and had a lot of uh, information about finance for women, and all the opportunities. But what are some of the things that you're doing that you might like to share with us?
1: Yeah, so something was triggered by my daughter when I asked her, would she go into this business? And she said, oh, mom, I want to do something that helps people. And I said, are you kidding me? this is a business that really helps people. We help people achieve the most important milestones in their lives. Uh, And I realized that as an industry, we had our own PR problem, right? We need to talk about the purpose of what we do and purpose inspires people and particularly women. Uh, And so I think one is talking about what we do in in this industry in a way in which people can relate to the purpose. Um, Number two, we are working hard to generate interest in this business. We're involved in programs like Girls Who Invest where we bring uh, younger girls in to be interns and they learn about investing, hoping that they will catch the bug of saying, this is an industry I can see myself in. Um, we, We actually are now using that program to be one of the feeders into our, what we call our futures program, which is our college graduate program, where you rotate in different parts of the business Uh, And so we're trying to make sure that we're recruiting from a diverse group and bringing more women in. Uh, And then once they're in, ensuring that they have support, that they have mentors, uh, that they are being considered for promotion. Uh, We actually did, and I'm proud to say, we were just awarded um, the uh, Gender Diversity Award by CityWire for the number of female portfolio managers that we have. Um, But, you know, so that's great. But there's still more opportunity to, to uh, get more women involved in this industry. And then another really, I think, opportunity for the industry is deploying capital to women entrepreneurs. Only 2.9% of venture capital money goes to female entrepreneurs. Oh my gosh, and yet, yeah. yeah, And yet the studies, KPMG did a study and said the IRR for women entrepreneurs, the internal rate of return... Uh, is like 112% versus a traditional venture capital investment at 43% return. So clearly, there's women are excellent entrepreneurs, but they haven't been getting the allocation of capital. And so uh, I'm an advisor of something called the Shatter Fund, and we're looking at launching our own fund that is focused on deploying capital to, to female entrepreneurs.
0: So you're saying part of it is finding the organizations who are willing to give it to women, but do you think there's also some of it is women having the confidence to know I can go after that capital?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, a. I think, you know, it's, it's quite a few things, but it's, it's having the confidence to say, I'm willing to go try this and somebody will believe in me. Yes. Uh, but also you only have 12 or 13% of venture capitals that are women. And there was a great story I read about the woman who created created the sort of prototype for the disposable diaper. 1948, father was an entrepreneur. She has a child and the cloth diaper keeps spilling out and she's frustrated by it. So she takes her sewing machine and her shower curtain and she sews and creates kind of this, this, you know, what what ultimately evolved into a disposable diaper. (laughs) She couldn't get anybody to fund her business. She eventually did get Saks Fifth Avenue to do it, but she, even with her father's network, she couldn't get funded. And it reminded me, 53% of women say that they were turned down by the venture capitalists because they didn't understand their business case. And so I'm thinking about this story and imagine in 1948, she's pitching to these equivalent to venture capitalists today. How many of them had changed a diaper? Right, Right. You're, right. and so, if there, so I think there's also that disconnect there. So one is women, you know, get turned down and get right back up and go to the next guy. Don't look at it turned down as you it's a bad idea. Look at it as hey, it's a game of numbers. I'm going to get turned down by X number before I have the successful one. I'm going to dust myself off and go in and make the next pitch to somebody right. who actually gets what I do.
0: And find somebody who really understands what it is that it's going to look like success in what you've got in mind. So yeah, that's Really good point. You mentioned your daughter a while ago. So you have five children and uh, I, and yet you've been extremely successful. So there would be some people who would think, how can that be? How can you have five children? You must have no work-life balance. <laughs> so you could tell us a little bit about, you know, and I think some people think that balance needs to be everything is equally weighted. I mean, to me, balance is kind of like whatever is balance for you. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your
1: how it works for you? Well, first of all, there is no such thing as work-life balance because everybody does think of it as equal weighted, and that that doesn't make sense. But let me, before I get in that, I will say. Um, so my mother had seven children, and then went back and graduated from Stanford Medical School. I attended; I was probably in seventh grade, and, and attended her uh, medical school graduation. And so I, I, you know, jokingly am the underachiever with my five children. Uh, but but in all fairness. What that enabled me is I have a great relationship with my mother, and uh, you know, she was involved in our lives. and so uh, i I could see how you can balance those two because I lived it. And I think one of the great things that a mother can do is to teach the daughters that not only to have the confidence, and a father does it, to have the confidence to to try and uh, and, and be able to pursue whatever their dreams are. Uh, but also know that you can have still great relationships with their kids. It's a great message. Back to that kind of true work-life balance. The reality is sometimes work is going to take you in and demand all of your time or most of your time. And sometimes your family is going to. And one of the things that I used as a tool to kind of guide me when those two conflicted is I'd try to throw myself forward five years and say, if I look back, which of these things is going to be more important to me? And it was amazing. Often that provided clarity about what thing you needed to do right then.
0: That's a really good way to think about that. I've never heard somebody describe it that way, but that's that's a wonderful way to think of it. And I know so many young people, you know, they've seen their parents work really hard and probably a number of them did miss family events and children's events and things like that. But uh, but to to think of it in that light kind of
1: helps you see what's really important to you. Yes, definitely. And and you're gonna miss some. You're never gonna be perfect. And um and you know, it's it's not a bad thing for your children also to learn that you know, life has some of those trade-offs that happen, but you got to be there for the important ones. Right. Well, I've committed to 20 minutes. We've
0: just got a couple left, but I would just like to ask, so what kind of is there some other message, something else you would like to say to our listeners that maybe we haven't talked about, or maybe something that You see in women today that, you know, if women did this or if young girls did this or what else would you like to talk about in our remaining couple minutes?
1: You know, here's I guess one thing I would say, if you find yourself thinking that you want to do something. And you find yourself being the one talking yourself out of why you're capable of doing it. Stop. And just say, go for it. I'm going to take that risk because I have seen more women talk themselves out of um, an opportunity before they ever were even allowed to to go in and try and to fail it. And I'm going to share a story. um, I won't say who it is, because I don't know whether it's mine to share, but uh, she is now a CEO and ranked in the I think 100 most influential women um, in. I, I think, in the world, actually. Uh, and she tells a story about how her boss came to her and said, I'm going to be retiring. I'm looking for who do you think would make a good CEO? She went, huh, that's really interesting. Let me let me think about that. And then she gave a couple of names and then she was asking a couple of people. And one of her colleagues said, you know, you understand he's asking you whether you want to be the CEO. And she said, well, I, I never even thought of that. So she went back to him and said, you know what? What about me? And he said, you're not ready. You're not ready because your response wasn't immediately, I am ready to be the CEO. So it passed up on her. But then he came back, came back about six months later and he said, well, I'm still thinking about it again. Let's go through any ideas. And she said, in that time, I made the point that I was ready to take that job.
0: There, what a great story. I love that because I think you're right. I think so many times women, you know, a, a man will see himself and this is not meant to be a negative towards men, but there's just a difference here. So if a man knows the 20% of the job, he thinks I'll learn the 80. The right. woman thinks she needs the 80 before she gives her chance, self a chance to learn the 20. Well, we are out of time in order to stay to your schedule, but you have been a delight
1: to talk to. Well, this is a lot of fun and and thanks for what you do. I think this is a really important uh, podcast. So uh, just, you know, thank you for doing it.